0: Let us pray. O gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 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 Jesus usually prayed on the mountain alone. At numerous points in the Gospels, we find Jesus breaking away from the crowds and leaving his own disciples in order to have time alone with God. These are the prayers that no one saw. Jesus's private communion with God, his secret, sacred space, apart from all other things of the world. How wonderful, how powerful must this private communion have been between the Father and the Son. It seems that this was a major source of Jesus's strength as a human being. He is renewed in his private prayer and receives the power and inspiration to carry out his public ministry. Indeed, just before his public ministry begins, we find Jesus in the wilderness in fasting and prayer. This is the beginning. He also advises all of us to set apart time for private communion with God. When you pray, he says, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is prayer apart from all the noise and busyness of the world. And apart from any appearances of piety for other people's sake. This is for God alone. And certainly Jesus was speaking from his own experience. As the gospels testify to the time that he spent alone in prayer. Yet this time. This time Jesus brings a select few to join him in his private prayer. Our gospel reading today tells us that Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Now leading up to this, he had been teaching them about the kingdom of God in parables. And is about to reveal to them something very special in this regard. Some of you will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God. And then he shows them. He takes them up on the mountain and shows them the kingdom of God in a way that they had certainly never experienced. These disciples had seen Jesus' public works, healing the sick, feeding the masses, caring for the poor. These were certainly signs of the kingdom, yet now he shows them something more intimate. His own prayer closet, as it were. He lets them into his secret, sacred space, his private communion with God. This is the source of his strength. And the kingdom of God is alive in his prayer. Moses and Elijah are alive in the prayers of Christ. He is transfigured before them, shining like the sun. Jesus shows these disciples a glimpse of his higher consciousness and his perfect relationship with God. Like Moses before him, he communes with God on the mountaintop. Yet this time... He invites others to join him. Do you know that he has also invited us to see the kingdom, to see with new eyes a higher level of reality in God, to participate in Christ's prayer, fully awake and aware? We are invited to the mountaintop to pray with Christ, to draw closer to spiritual mysteries, to recognize the kingdom of God in our midst, in our world, opening all around us in secret, as it were. We are called to go higher in the spirit, from glory to glory, in each of our individual lives, to advance in our walk, and to participate in this body of Christ as it grows into maturity. So we hear this invitation coming out to us to participate in the kingdom of God. What must we do to enter? How do we proceed? Prayer is the beginning for us. We are called to a life of prayer, not only in our collective worship, but in the private moments of our individual lives and in the secret space within us which no one is able to see. Therefore, make time for this private communion with God. Praying together is very important. And we are blessed with this opportunity every time we gather for church. Yet in addition to our collective worship, we are called to pray alone, even in secret. Jesus teaches us that the kingdom of God is unfolding in secret, all around us, but unseen by the world. And when we go into our prayer closet, we make ourselves available to the secret workings of the Spirit. We stand in the nakedness of our lonely being, with all our flaws and limitations. Presenting ourselves before God in faith to commune with Him. In the secret recesses of our being, the kingdom of God may take root in us as individuals through prayer. And this kingdom is not like a worldly kingdom, highly visible in the world and ruling with worldly power and dominance. In Jesus' teaching, the kingdom of God may be the complete reversal of what you were expecting, in fact. Many people during his time were praying and hoping that the Messiah would come and usher in the kingdom. What many of them had in mind was a restoration of David's kingship, a political resistance that would expel the Roman occupation of Israel. Yet when Jesus comes, he does not express the kingdom in terms of an army overthrowing the Romans. It is rather found in small and unexpected places. It is faith the size of a mustard seed. It is acts of charity done in secret, which no one else can see. This is not an easy teaching. Jesus is reorienting them and all of us. His parables jar us into a different way of viewing the will of God in our world. It is a completely different hierarchy of what's important, and it flips the values of the world on its head. In his day, they were expecting an army, and he gave them a mustard seed. But this mustard seed would grow into the most sublime expression of God the world had ever seen. So first of all, as we approach our prayer closet, or indeed our collective prayer together, we can ask ourselves, what are we expecting? Will we be satisfied with the mustard seed, It takes faith to trust in the gifts of God, despite the fact that they are secret to the world and the world thinks that they are foolishness. May God help us in our prayer life that even before we begin to pray, we may let go of our worldly expectations about what God is supposed to do and about what the kingdom is supposed to look like. Whether we pray a little or a lot, no doubt all of us can go deeper in our practice. This may be the first step as we walk to meet Christ on the mountaintop. Prayer is a powerful and a mysterious thing. Often we wonder why some prayers seem to be answered and not others. There are no magic words or rituals we can do to ensure that God will give us what we want. Still, it may be that all of our prayers are heard and answered, just not in the way that we imagine and sometimes God makes it quite obvious that he has answered our prayer. I'll never forget an experience I had several years ago regarding a good friend of mine named Andrew. Now I met Andrew when I was living in Michigan. Last time I was preaching I actually shared some of my experiences about Michigan. This was a very challenging time in my life. Andrew was really my best friend during this difficult time. After I left Michigan I moved to Brooklyn, New York. And unfortunately, I lost touch with Andrew. His phone became disconnected. And it was really weighing on me. I started to think about Andrew a lot, hoping that he was doing all right. And I started to pray about it, because it was on my heart. Pray that he was doing well, and pray that I might even get to be in touch with him again at some point. Then one day in Brooklyn, one evening, my buddy Chris, who I was living with, said he wanted to go out for some pizza. For some reason in that moment, I told him I would go get the pizza for him. I just felt compelled to do that suddenly. And as I walked out onto Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, I heard a voice say, Willie? There was Andrew in Brooklyn, New York, my friend from Michigan, walking down the street. This was an amazing thing to me. He was there just for the weekend. And God had put it in my heart to go outside at that exact moment and see him. Yet, if this prayer had been answered in a different way, which was less obvious, it would still be a special prayer, because I was sharing my heart with God. It is not the outcome of our prayers that make them worthwhile. It is fine to pray for particular things and hopes, and in fact, we are called to do this. But first and foremost in our prayer, we should try to make ourselves available to God's will before we ask God to do something for us. In the Lord's Prayer, we begin by praising God. Hallowed be thy name. Then your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not our own kingdom, but God's. If we can let go of our expectations and our attachments about the way things should go, we can approach our prayer with an openness that leads to a genuine relationship with God. This is the true reward and purpose of prayer then within that genuine relationship, we may express our hopes and needs, and we have faith that God hears us, in secret, as it were. Secondly, we are called to share these gifts we receive in secret, to share them with each other in community and to share them with the world. Praying alone is important, but I do not mean to suggest that it can replace the other parts of our practice like gathering here for fellowship and taking Holy Communion, for example. All of these things are important in our Christian walk. Indeed, when we cultivate our spiritual life alone, we have that much more to share with one another. One thing that we can do in our everyday lives is invite others in, as Jesus did, into this most intimate space between ourselves and God, to pray with those who are most close to us, pray in small groups, Pray with family and friends and loved ones. Where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, I am there among them. I know sometimes it's scary to pray in front of people, even people you're close to. Whether it's a fear of public speaking or a reluctance to share something that's very intimate, this can hold us back in our prayer life. I've certainly felt that before. May God help us in this. May we be more bold and even courageous in our desire to share prayer with others. And may we even have a breakthrough in our relationship with God and with other people, simply by taking a little more initiative. How will we respond to Jesus' invitation to approach the mountaintop? We have begun to go deeper in our prayer life, privately and together. But finally, Jesus requires one more thing of us, And this is perhaps the most difficult thing, that we can become detached from the things of the world. In the Gospel of Luke, just before Jesus takes the disciples to the mountaintop, he warns them about attachments. If any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He even tells them that he himself will undergo great suffering and be killed that he is prepared to give up his own life for the sake of the kingdom. This is not what they are expecting. The Messiah, rejected by the religious elders and executed as a criminal. To find the kingdom, you must be detached from what you are expecting. You must be detached from things in the world that you like and even love. To enter the gates of the kingdom, we can't carry anything with us. This is a difficult teaching. There are many things in the world that I love and I'm attached to. How do I let go of them in my spirit and in my heart? Am I actually wrong for enjoying things in the world? One object of attachment that's mentioned throughout the Gospels is money. This is a worthy example for our meditation. I believe money is something we all struggle with, whether we have a little or a lot, Money may make our lives more comfortable, even more enjoyable, perhaps, but it gives us nothing in the spirit. Jesus even says it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to get into the kingdom of God. A difficult teaching indeed. Now, I don't believe that God despises money. Money's just an object. It's indifferent. But it's our attachment to money that's the problem. I've been attached to money even when I had none, (laughs) thinking if I only had so many dollars, I'd finally be happy. But when we make money more important than our spiritual life, we are separated from the kingdom. This is not easy, especially in this world that revolves around money. Who can help us in our weakness in this regard? God can. For God, all things are possible, but we need to acknowledge our weakness and ask him for help that we may have a peace in our hearts regardless of the rise and fall of bank accounts or the so-called security of a job. Indeed, this goes for anything we may be attached to. Prayer is at the beginning, the middle, and the end of our spiritual path. It is even said that in heaven we may be praying and praising God. The secrets and mysteries of God are all around us, though the world does not see it. The kingdom of God is here. Moses and Elijah and all the saints are here, alive in Christ's prayer, which has become our prayer. Let us pay no heed to what the world finds important, but rather rest in our faith as we make steps toward the mountaintop. There we will find not only Christ transfigured, but ourselves transformed, filled with the life and the light of God, which has no end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others, in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R M-V for Mill Valley We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.